When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Tommy, I only have one question to ask you, my friend. You down with KCP? Yeah, you know me. You down with KCP? Yeah, you know me. You down with KCP? Yeah, you know me. Yeah, it's lit. everybody to the lakers legacy podcast where i'm gonna tell my kids that this lakers team was the most fun lakers team to root for in all of my life the now this is gonna be fun team is rolling over in its grave because this is truly fun also i'm gonna tell my kids that this is kobe bryant and by this i'm talking about kcp because he's actually playing pretty well right now so all hail lethal shooter but also still trade him because uh, his value is high. Anyways, welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Um, the Lakers are 14-2. and two. They just completed a very tough back-to-back. Second night of a back-to-back on the road against the Memphis Grizzlies. And ironically enough, they grit and grinded their way to a win. Their defensive rating has dropped to number 6. But their offensive rating has spiked up to number seven. So very balanced approach by the Lakers. And because of their last two games, that clearly skewed things in the wrong direction defensively because they've given up a lot of points to the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Memphis Grizzlies. But given those two games are on the road and the Lakers somehow managed to win on the second night of a back-to-back in Memphis, uh, we got to give the Lakers credit for pushing through their mental malaise and still gutting these wins out. The Lakers are still number one in the league. They are road warriors. They have yet to lose a game outside of Staples Center. And um, they're continuing to pump out wins that we keep thinking that they'll eventually lose just because they've been due for a loss in a while. And this is what it feels like to have a good team to the point where no matter how many times we try and caution ourselves and say, okay, the Lakers are due for a loss now. They're definitely going to lose this time. They continue to keep winning. And I'm never going to get tired of it. Um, So in this episode, this is a special pre-Thanksgiving bonus Lakers Legacy podcast episode. And 
After I spend the next five minutes introing this episode with help from Alan and Tommy in their cameo roles, uh, you will hear my guest spot on the Late Night Lake Show with my good buddy RJ Barnes, where we go more in-depth into the Memphis Grizzlies game that the Lakers just wrapped up, but also we go in-depth on the entire Lakers season as a whole. So um, stay tuned for that. I'm just going to get some house-cleaning stuff out of the way with Tommy and Alan first. Uh, And in fact... As usual, please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more times Kyle Kuzma will switch up his goggle games on us with brand new, different colored rimmed goggles each game, just because he wants to keep his eyeball drip stylish and strong. So, if you want more stylish goggles Kuz, or Kyrie Abworth Kuzbis, as Kuzma calls it for some reason, I still have no idea why he calls it that, if you want to see more of those stylish goggles from Kuz in different styles and colors, please rate and review us on iTunes. Speaking of rating and reviews, tonight we're going to bring on Alan for his cameo role to read the review. Uh, and tonight we're going to bring in, naturally, Philadelphia 76ers <laughs> center Joel Embiid. <laughs> Uh, so with that said, Joel Embiid, also a cameo role on this Lakers podcast. Please take it away with the review of the night. First of all, I just want to say I ain't no B. <laughs> I'm not going to say it though. I don't want to get fined. So this is, this is from Buy Magic. Great show. Lit, 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 lit. Yo, that was five lits for five stars. Although I think Embiid said six lits. So I don't know if he can count that one. <laughs> what you trying to say, man? <laughs> Alan, that was amazing. I don't think I need to ask you what went into your Embiid impression. Everything went into it. Everything. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, thank you, Joel Embiid. Alan, thank you. Now I'm going to ask you to, to fade into the background. Peace. Late. All right, so thank you, Alan, for that review. And yes, guys, please rate and review us on iTunes. As you all know, we are trying to make it to 400 five-star rating and reviews before 2019 ends. I believe we are at 377. So please continue to help us out in that respect if you have yet to rate and review us on iTunes. Please take two minutes out of your you know, fun, lit Thanksgiving schedule to wipe the grease off of your thumb, whether it's turkey grease or honey-baked ham grease or whatever amazing food you happen to be eating. In my case, it's like pancit and the KFC grease. Just wipe your thumb off for a quick second, go to the iTunes app, search Lakers Legacy Podcast, and hit that five-star button. It will go a long way in letting us know that you appreciate our work and that you're listening and 400 is just a much more beautiful, more whole round number to look at that will surely take us into, you know, 2020 with the right amount of litness that we would need to continue this show. So, yes, please rate and review us on iTunes. Also, if you feel like contributing to our cause in a financial way, in any small financial way, please go to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. You can donate a dollar and... You get an exclusive early listen to our non-Igadala Wings on the Buyout and Trade Market episode segment that's up there right now. And you'll also have access to some future exclusive content as well. We are brought to you by lineups.com. Check them out for all of your betting tips needs. And now I will turn it over to a double foul segment with Tommy. 
All right, so Tommy is here, and Tommy, we are going to play a game called Double Foul, which I invented in the summer, and somehow you never got thrown into the ring of fire with regards to the Double Foul game. Uh, but Double Foul, like everybody knows, is a useless and unnecessary call in the NBA that leaves two parties just frustrated and unhappy, and there's no free throws involved. They just both get a foul on their record. And likewise, Double Foul is a... Would you rather of worst case scenarios? So pretty self-explanatory. You're going to be picking from two scenarios and you're going to pick the lesser of two evils. Got it? Got it. All right, so let's play Double Foul Lakers edition. Tommy, foul one. Lakers lose to the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. Ooh. Foul two. Lakers lose to the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. Which poison pill are you swallowing? And I guess maybe this is easy, but they're both not great. Um, I think on that one, I'd much rather lose to the Rockets. And this is my peak pettiness, but it is what it is. I'd rather <laughs> rather lose to the Rockets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, does it change the scenario if I say both go on to win the championship? It does not. It actually makes me more firm in my belief that I'd rather have the Rockets win. <laughs> that is very fair. I guess the only, like if I'm playing devil's advocate, the only way I would side with the Rockets scenario is because I would, hmm, you're right. There's no scenario where I pick, <laughs> where I pick the Rockets as much as I hate James Harden. Harden's game, as much as I hate Russell Westbrook's game, those are the two players actually in the NBA who I despise on an on-court aesthetic basketball level. But in spite of that, I think our hatred for the Clippers, the way that Kawhi and Paul George went about this offseason, yeah, all that leads to no Clippers in the Western Conference Finals or no losing to the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. All right, maybe that was too easy of a double foul. What about this one? Foul one. Paul George wins MVP, regular season MVP. Foul two. Luke Walton wins coach of the year. Somehow. Yeah, somehow. For sure, Luke Walton, coach of the year. I, look, we had issues with Luke. He did some really dummy things when he was here. Um, he was not the right coach for this team. We can all admit that. Um I think what he requires is like a very specific roster that I think he has with the Kings. Um, it's not, I know we were talking about this the other day and I, I, th I think you mentioned the LeBron James thing. And, and I, while I agree, that's a part of it. He was our coach for like t also two years before we had LeBron James. And I still think at least in that first year, we, we definitely underperformed. Um, it's again, hard to say we didn't have the talent. He like, I know it's weird to say, but, We've seen how our guys have looked, right? After we've traded them to New Orleans, those are the guys Luke was working with. Um, these guys are injured constantly. They're not like developed. The old, you know, Brandon Ingram is like three times as good now as he was when we had him, um, or at least when he was starting out with Luke. And, you know, all these factors contributed to Luke being a very poor coach. I don't think it's a hot take to say like, we, I don't, I don't think we, we were happy that we fired Luke, but I don't think like either of us or most Laker fans hold any resentment or anything like that towards mm -hmm. Luke. It just, it didn't work out. He's gone now. Everything's fine. 
We have a great coach, um, and I have no issue with that. Paul George winning MVP, get that fool out of here. Um, I can't have the Clippers getting any praise, and, and, and that's it. That's fair. And once a Laker, always a Laker. And that resonates and resounds for Luke Walton. And that would be my main reasoning. And also picking Luke Walton, Paul George, it's like, how many times is this guy going to get a get out of jail free card and continue to somehow fall ass backwards into scenarios that benefit him? And that would be one of those scenarios, him just randomly winning MVP with the Los Angeles Clippers. So I agree with you there. All right. With that said, rating and review plugs out of the way, double foul out of the way. I'm going to turn it now to my guest spot on the Late Night Lake Show with R.J. Barnes. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to the Late Night Lake Show podcast. It is your hosts, Ricky and Danny. Man, I I just don't know where my clothes are, to be honest with you. I have been streaking for, I don't know, about a week and a half now. The Lakers just decided that after their loss to Toronto, that they're just going to pick back up where they left off and just peel off seven straight games against seven mediocre to not so great teams. But hey, that's what great teams are supposed to do. Am I right? We got uh, we got Danny in the building tonight. Danny, how you feeling, man? Feeling good. Feeling great, man. I mean, can you can it get any better than a Lakers win? What's better? Uh, than a Lakers I mean, win? they they could they it could have been not as ugly as it was tonight and after back-to-back games but yeah i mean hell seven straight wins and seven straight wins not all of them are gonna be you know uh masterpieces mona lisa's you know what i'm saying yeah but at the end of the day as you alluded to it's what you're supposed to do you you collect and stack wins and they add up it's cumulative (laughs) you don't matter if we beat the grizzlies 10 times in a row but uh you know when, when you keep when you keep rolling like this it's 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 gonna be hard for us to stop you know what? Speaking of rolling, man, we have just been rolling right along this season on Late Night Lake Show podcast. We apologize. We missed you guys last week. You know, technical, physical, emotional, spiritual difficulties. We didn't connect, but we're here. And to make it up for you guys, we brought in a special guest, very special guest. He has been on the Late Night Lake Show podcast before last year. The host and the think tank and one of my good uh, broskies on Twitter.com. We got our boy Jonathan from the Lakers Legacy podcast joining us. Jonathan, how you feeling tonight, my man? What's up, guys? Call me Rajon Rondo because I'm about to quicken the pace on this podcast. Hey, yo. Boom, 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 boom. Okay. And just don't spit in nobody's okay. faces. Yeah. <laughs> or start a fight randomly. Yeah. yeah. Or start a fight. Yeah. Seventy grand tonight, uh seventy grand uh did he get fine seventy grand? Or was it fifty? I thought it was thirty thirty five grand. Chump change. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Chump change. <laughs> Sorry, did you ask how I was doing? Yes. How of are course, you? Of course, how doing? are you, man? I am doing great. I'm currently on vacation heading into Thanksgiving. I'm out here on the east coast, uh in Philly right now, so oh, life damn. is good. Um nice. 
Also, just caveat and qualifier to everybody, I am on pure vacation brain, so I have no idea what I'm about to say tonight, so, Excellent. yeah. Did you have a Philly cheesesteak yet? That's the real question. I have not, what but hell? that will be rectified sometime this week when I go into <laughs> that the city. Been, that would have been my first stop off the plane. I'm like, yo, take me to Sal's, I'm getting a Philly cheesesteak, and that's it. Like, my, my trip had been complete. Ayo, that's fair. I will say, though, that it took me 18 hours to get to Philly just because of Amer- <laughs> American Airlines Can we get took me story? on a doozy. Let's Let's get a quick little backstory on that. So, man, I had a red... I usually like to take red eyes to go to the East Coast so I don't miss out on the day because, you know, we ga- I pretty much gain three hours going over there, right? So I had an 11 and 50, 11.52 p.m. flight out of LAX uh, to Philly, and the flight was going to be short and breezy, five hours. I was ready to go. Here we go. And then about two hours into my flight, you know, the uh, pilot says, hey, guys, unfortunate news. We're going to have to make an emergency landing because there's something wrong with a fuel tank. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, and so we ended up making an, an emergency landing to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Get the fuck out of here. Out of all the places. <laughs> I, out of all the places. Wow. Out of just all the places. Emergency landing. Sick. Exactly. And I get there and I felt like I was in a Stranger Things episode because I felt like we got transported back in time. I'm like, yo, what am I doing here? And also, why are we only in Albuquerque? I felt like we must have been circling around in the air for like two hours before we landed. Um, My and God. So, well, there's well, no parking spots at the neighboring airports. Colorado was filled up, apparently. Yeah, exactly. So long, <laughs> long, long story short, I end up, we end up having a hole up in Albuquerque, New Mexico for a good 12 hours. I think we left, finally left at 11.52 a.m., because they had to, well, first they tried to fix the plane that we were on. And a lot of us were like, I don't know if we want to get back on that plane. Oh, I uh, know. I'm not getting uh, back on that plane. I'm not getting hey, back no. on a plane that just got fixed. Y'all like, not about the final destination, me. No, yeah, no. I'm just exactly. trying to go get a Philly cheesesteak, bro. Get me on a flight. like. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously they try and work on it. doesn't work. So they ask a plane from Dallas to come and save our asses. And that took a while. Um and so once the Dallas plane came in, we hop on, hop on the plane, and we're like, all right, to Philly we go. And then as we're, about, as we're taxiing and about to take off, the pilot goes, folks, the news does not get any better. And we're like, what now? And he's like, the radio does not work all of a sudden. I was like, you just flew this plane from Dallas to New Mexico. How is the radio all of a sudden not working? And so for the next hour and a half, we're sitting on the plane waiting for them to fix the radio. Oh, my God. Thank God that's, that's thank God that's, I know. Thank God that somehow from there, once they got the radio fixed, the flight from Albuquerque to Philly was only three hours. But still, it was just like a whole ordeal. I pretty much lost the day. I was supposed to get into Philly at about 8 a.m. Instead, I got in at 8 p.m. So, Damn. but I am here. That's good. As long as you're safe, bro. As long as and you're you know, safe, that's good. And you know, to tie it back to the Lakers, I got home just in time to watch the Lakers beat the OKC Thunder. So, boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. That's wow. what we're here for, man. Nice. Somehow, our lives just always bring us back. And no matter what little minor inconveniences <laughs> that we have, no matter whatever pisses us off throughout the day, somehow we just find ourselves on the couch right as tip-off starting. And yep. you know what? I don't know too many other great places to be right now in the land 
oh, Laker, um, because our Los Angeles Lakers are on fire. They are doing what they need to do. They are taking care of business. Jonathan, first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for being present, safe and sound. Good to talk to you again. <laughs> thank um, you for having me. Before we dive into all of our good stuff, why don't, you, why don't you tell the good people where they can find you? Oh, you can find me at at Lakers Legacy Pod. Check out our podcast on iTunes, Lakers Legacy Podcast. Um, for my personal account, you can follow at J-H-U-N-88, pronounced J-Hun. So you can say J-Honey, J-Money. He's an 80s baby, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, and that's, uh, that's okay. We're, all, we're <laughs> always here for the wisdom on the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Yeah, I'm old. No, I'll just fly about you, man. <laughs> Are you sure you're not, dude? <laughs> yeah, but, I'm 31, uh, bro. No, yeah, you're not. You were in your that you were well. <laughs> no, well, you're not. Well, I am, prime. bro. Get out. I know I look like I'm 23, but I'm 31. Jeez. <laughs> bro, wow. I is just that, my mind Asian, is blown. Asian don't raisin. You know, black don't crack. Asian oh, don't oh raisin. My oh my god. Just off to a blazing start. <laughs> this is amazing. Got, uh, this is this, this is, is truly this might be one of our best late night uh, versioned episodes to date. So uh, <laughs> this is... make sure you follow Jonathan. Uh, on his accounts, uh, make sure you're subscribed to the Lakers Legacy Podcast if you're not already. And make sure that you're following the Late Night Lake Show podcast and you subscribe to that wherever you get your podcast, as well as follow the Twitter account, Late Night Lakers. Uh, follow Danny, that's based underscore Dan. Follow me, that's Mr. Ricky Spanish, uh, Ricky's Laker Propaganda Network. And uh, yeah, <laughs> let's just get right into it. Let's get busy. So, Jonathan, as we're doing this year you know we're just we're just lined up with guests just we just mm -hmm. have so many guests th this year that we just don't know what to do with but you know for our very special guest our first recurring a guest hey. right we still have to we still like to put you through the get to know you um intro quiz so me and danny got a couple questions for you obviously sure. lakers related maybe not but mostly Lakers related. And um, we just want you to tell the people a little bit about yourself. Does that sound good? Sounds awesome. All right. Danny, why don't you kick it off over there, brother? All right. Uh, so when it comes to everyone's favorite Laker, right? Obviously, there's the Kobe's, the Shaq's, the Kareem's, the Magic's. But who's your favorite low-key Laker? Someone who kind of, like, flies under the radar. No one, no one too of a big name. But, like, who, who, who do you who do you consider a someone dear near and dear to your heart as a low-key laker of all time hmm. it doesn't have to be of now, all time just, okay yeah so even if we're talking like the big profile lakers this guy i have above even Shaq and kobe and kobe is the player that i've seen the most incredible and amazing feats of um but personally speaking i have always had the biggest affinity and heart for the Candyman, Mr. Lamar Odom. Wow. Um, he is my favorite Laker by far, for sure. Um, just his personality, him, you know, starting off as a Clipper. And then when the Shaq trade happened, I was one of the few people who, you know, was excited about it because even though we didn't get Dwayne Wade, I was like, I had already previously kind of followed Lamar Odom's career. Um, and I think that year when Shaq got traded to Miami, Lamar Odom was the closest he's ever gotten to getting an all-star bid because... Him, Karan Butler, and D. Wade, I think, led the Heat to the playoffs. And um, yeah, I was just excited that we were pretty much getting, you know, this. I mean, Lamar Odom was before his time or ahead of his time. You know, he would thrive so much today in terms of, like, the versatility, um, no 
positionless basketball and him just being such a versatile beast and someone who was almost unselfish to a fault. But at the end of the day, I just loved his personality, how fun he was. Obviously, he's had his demons that he's had to fight throughout his career. But for me, that almost... Not that you wish what has happened to him in his life on anybody, but I feel like that's what also made me gravitate towards him, just because of all the struggles he's had to go through and how he's continued to fight his way back and try to find redemption through each and every one of those trials. And uh, But yeah, overall, if we're just, I mean, even outside of that, just talking about basketball, his game was so smooth, just a 6'10 dude who could handle the rock like nobody's business like a guard essentially and the way that he would pass his vision everybody's talking about ben simmons and draymond green and all this and that was lamar odom to a t except he could shoot threes too and he was if he wanted to he could have averaged 25 points he just didn't want to you know so lamar odom for me that's a good pick i mean i i I love lamar's game man he was such a he was such a key cog to our like our championship teams and he was just always a piece that was always there. Like, he would always be, like, the TNT X factor of tonight's game. Like, it's always yep. Lamar Odom. You know what I mean? Like, if Lamar Odom plays well, Lakers oh, Lakers come out on top. Like, he was just such a, like how you said, versatile guy, smooth as silk. And fun fact, when I used to play either NBA 2K or live, or NBA Live, and if I pick Lakers, I moved uh, Lamar to the one. Ooh, nice. You were ahead of your time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Um, speaking go ahead, of favorite players, the Lakers just uh, finished wrapping up an ugly win over the Memphis Grizzlies. And yeah, they, they have did. a couple of young pieces that I really enjoy watch playing basketball with uh, John Moran. He was my click to pick for rookie of the year this year. Mm-hmm. But I also really love me some uh, Triple J, some Jaron Jackson yes. Jr. Um, he, yeah, I appreciate a big man that goes in there and bangs, but also could step outside and hit the three, man. But uh, with that said, I'm interested to know, Jonathan, as you look outside of our Lakers and you look around the league, what young player are you most excited about that is not a former Laker? That is not a former Laker. I know everybody's talking about Luka, rightfully so. Um, But Luka's like... I don't know. Maybe I need to watch him more. He's kind of like the guard version of Brad Miller to me. <laughs> oh, man, you're going to get so much hate if anybody, if any Mavericks fans listen to this. Um, but Luke is very good. He's very good. He's doing some historic stuff. Um, can I say, like, a? I don't know if this guy counts as a young, young player. Does it have to be, like, a super young player or someone in the last who's still in his mid-20s? Let, let's say they are 25 and younger. Okay. Um, Zach Levine has always been like one of my favorite players what perfect and timing i know I, there's no he coincidence here but today bro that game-winning shot he hit uh, against charlotte tonight was insane scrambling for the ball and hitting hitting a fadeaway baseline three. Oh my god he was 13 for 17 from, th- from three-point land right he was torching it and that was after uh being benched by boylan um so I would I would go with Zach Levine just because I have followed his career since UCLA. And in fact, I actually wanted the Lakers to draft him at number seven over Julius Randle because I just thought he had so much potential. I knew that at UCLA he was relegated to just being a off-the-ball catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, but that he could do so much more. And 
it sort of come to fruition at the time too when when the wolves had both Levine and Wiggins I always stated that Levine is better than Wiggins and I know Wiggins is playing a lot better this season but for the most part if you look at both of their careers yeah Levine doesn't play defense yada 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 but in totality, Levine has been the better overall basketball player than Andrew Wiggins, and he's just exciting as hell to watch. The dunk contest galore. I mean, he single-handedly, first he single-handedly revived the dunk contest, and then with Aaron Gordon, like, kept it up, you know, for two straight years. And he's just electric, exciting, and um, yeah, he's got that long ball down pat. So uh, I would say I would say Zach Levine. That's so fitting that you pick Levine. I mean, not only the obviously uh, close-to-home connection that I've uh, starting to try to build with that talented young man in the yes. Bulls locker room. I haven't had the chance to directly interview him, but we are, we're working on it. Just you got to swim over the mobs of people, I swear, sometimes. Hey, by the way, real quick, can I just say congrats to everything that's happening for you guys and for you? And just I heard your Derrick Rose interview. I was like, oh, shoot, dude, that, like, that's big time, dude. Hey, appreciate it, man. Yeah, um, EC Sports and Endeavor, myself and Danny and our co-host uh, Dion, um, really picking up steam and a lot of good stuff's happening right now. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that quick little yeah, plug. Absolutely. Make sure you're following um, EC Sports uh, TV on um, all social media platforms. Um, we're in the locker room. We're talking to players. I mean, I don't know how much more closer to the game than you want than that. So uh, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a crazy ride so far. But, you know, hopping back to your answer real quick. It's so funny that you said Levine because mine – would be Carl Anthony Towns, man. That mm. boy is like he he stepped into this game, putting up twenty and ten, and he hasn't looked back since. Like, yep. say what you want about you know, he he catches a rap because he's a nice guy. My my co-host Dion says me and uh, Carl Anthony Towns have the similar personality types, really approachable, nice, you know, uh, young black men. So <laughs> um, I appreciate him for that. But I mean, he's he's killing it. He's what top fifteen in the NBA. Uh, in three points made, you know, he his post game is as refined as probably anybody in this league today, especially with the drop off in the skill set at the center and power forward position. Right. Um, but no, Big Cat, he's uh, he's doing major things. And one day when we free him out of Minnesota, oh, I'm going to do everything I can to start every rumor I can to get him to the Lakers. But um, we'll, and, uh, and we'll, his, we'll figure his, that out. His trash talk game isn't too bad either. Yeah, you know, Apparently, raised yeah. with lions, raised by lions or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, I, dude, we're, we're playing basketball. Like, I, it's all fucking relative with trash talk. So <laughs> unless you're Gilbert Arenas and Javaris Crittenton, like we talked about in our last episode. So <laughs> then it, that's when uh, perception becomes reality. But Danny, what, uh, uh, let's do one more question each for uh, Jonathan before we hop into the, uh, hop to the break. All right, John. So obviously huge Lakers fan, but we all have to start somewhere. So where, what made you become a Lakers fan? What made you love the purple and gold, man? So funny story. Um, I think just as part of my personality and who I've always been, my personal ethos, it's actually amazing that I'm not a Clippers fan right now. I know, blasphemous, right? Um, But I have always been the type of person to be sort of, and people are going to hate this, like super hipster, super contrarian, super against like the mainstream, right? Uh, That's also the reason why I work at DreamWorks. Believe it or not, when I was growing up as a kid, 
at age 11, when DreamWorks kind of first started, I knew back then that I wanted to work for DreamWorks and that I wanted to make DreamWorks my favorite animation company, even though like Shrek wasn't out yet or anything like that. Mainly because I was like, well, it's too easy to like Disney. I like Disney, but when you say I like Disney, what what does that say about you? You know, everybody else does. I wanted to kind of be different, right? So knowing this about myself, it's kind of crazy that I'm even a Lakers fan <laughs> to begin with. So you may ask, okay, well, then how did that come about? D- doesn't rooting for the most obvious team um, go counter against who you've been all your life? And I would say yes, except, and actually... Going back to the 1999-2000 NBA Finals when Kobe and Shaq were going up against Reggie Miller and the Pacers, that was when I had just started getting into basketball. And I kid you not, um, the finals, I was actually rooting for Reggie Miller and the Pacers. One, because I didn't know basketball that well. And two, I was just like, everybody in L.A. is rooting for this what Lakers team. What the hell team. is going I, on? I know, right? So hold on. The story's I, I, not over yet. <laughs> Y'all know the end of the story. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, oh my I'm, I, I'm rooting for Reggie Miller and Sam Perkins and Austin, Cro- Austin Crozier, whoever the hell was on that Pacers team at the time. No, um, I know exactly Jay who Rose. you're talking about. Austin <laughs> Crozier with the, with the crew cut, but he got a little, a little bit more up top. Looks like he not, used the gel like every other person of the late 90s. Yeah, no, exactly. yeah, yeah. Keep, yeah, keep going. Yeah, we know who you're talking about. Yep, yep, yep. So the Jalen so yeah. Rose, Indiana Pacers yeah. that like tried yeah. purposely, yes. you know, roll. Okay. That's it. exactly okay. all right. Larry so Bird the Lakers Larry. ended up winning and I didn't, you know, I didn't care either way. I was like, all right, cool. They won. But I was rooting for the Pacers because I didn't know any better at the time. And then I think throughout that next year, the 2000-2001 Lakers was the team that I actually followed closely. But what kind of uh, drew me to that team was, so crazy story, my uncle here in Philly, he's actually a Boston Celtics fan. And um, one night... I think before that 2000, 2001 season started, I had a call with him and kind of irrelevant to the conversation we have. And he was like, hey, you know that Kobe guy on the Lakers? And I was like, I know of him. I don't really know his game that much. You know, I saw him in the finals play against Reggie Miller, but sure, what about Kobe? My uncle was like, I don't like that guy. I was like, why? I just don't like him. He thinks he's Jordan. He's cocky. I don't like him. And I was like, huh, okay. And because of that one statement, my uncle sort of deterring me away from Kobe, that made me hone in more on Kobe. And I was like, why does my uncle hate this guy so much? I should check in on him. And then once I checked out Kobe, I was like, oh, dude, this guy's really good. And he's kind of he's kind of like Jordan. Why does my uncle hate him? So in a weird roundabout way, you know, I talk about being contrarian and being hipster and whatnot. My uncle still kind of pushed me towards that direction because him disproving of Kobe was kind of my rebellion against, you know, some sort of figure to find my way back to, even though it's mainstream to like Kobe and the Lakers at the time, like the cat, the catalyst moment for me was still going against somebody else, if that makes any sense. I know I'm kind of talking myself in circles, but my uncle, who's a Celtics fan, actually drew me to love the Lakers and Kobe Bryant more. And from that season onward, I followed them as closely as all of you guys have. Obviously, I'm the host of a Lakers podcast. And so it's crazy that that one moment, that one pivotal moment from a Celtics fan who is my uncle, is what brought you to at J-H-U-N-88 at Lakers Legacy Pod Jonathan Hernandez today. And that's how I became a Lakers fan. 
I just went through a wow. roller coaster of emotions listening <laughs> to this. Wow. I thought I thought you were the enemy for about twelve seconds. Like, is this a splinter cell? I really is just thought because salt. I really just thought because you lived in L.A., you're like, oh shit, I like the Lakers. <laughs> no, he went he went against the grain. I, I know, I, I know. That. I was just saying. And like, then it took his uncle, who lived on the other side of the country, to for him to speak his mind and for the young Jonathan, the young Johnny at the time, to be the rebellious <laughs> youngster that he was and say, oh, no, no, no. Well, I'm definitely not about to listen to what you got to say. Yeah. So, and that drew him back to the purple and gold. Honestly, it's only a, it's a love story that only DreamWorks could come up with, to be honest with you. <laughs> exactly. Right. And from a Celtics, Celtics fan, no yeah. less, and back then, I had no idea what that rivalry even was. But looking back on it, it's like, well, that is poetry, my friends. Mm-hmm. DreamWorks is going to make a film over it, dude. I'm going to write it. Why not? <laughs> documentary. Well, you're in the building. So, I mean, hell, with, with that, I think we're going to cap the get to know you segment. That was a <laughs> hell of a story right there. I appreciate that. Um, hopefully, all the listeners, they, uh, as they think back on their, uh, their origin story, right, on how they became a Lakers fan, just try to. Uh, go a little deeper and figure out, you know, what really got you started investing in the purple and gold. Jonathan just laid out. Um, <laughs> he's a California cat, and still, you know, it wasn't automatic, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's got a story. I'm in, you know, Chicagoland. Danny was in Chicagoland as well. So uh, hit us up. Let us know. Uh, Late Night Lakers on Twitter. How did you become um, a Lakers fan for your first time, and how did you know that you were bleeding purple and gold for real, for real? So uh, with that... We're going to jump into a break, but when we come back, we got to unpack why I'm not wearing any clothes because i just been streaking for a week and a half. Ain't nobody brought up a question about that. Everybody just seems desensitized to Ricky just sitting here ass naked and recording a podcast. But, hey, if y'all cool with it, it's 2019. We're about to hop into 2020. I'm cool with it. We're going to talk about the Lakers now. Seven-game win streak when we come back. Late night, late show. Stick around. All right, guys, we're back. Our Lakers, as we just talked about, by the time the uh, listeners are listening to this, it will be Monday morning, um, but we're recording this after the Lakers defeated the Memphis Grizzlies, um, 109-108. It was a ugly win. No other way to categorize it. This comes off a back-to-back win against the OKC Thunder, which was a home-and-home, but this was at OKC last night. Friday, November 22nd, and they won by three, in which, if you're on Lakers Twitter, if you have a pulse, if you watch the games, was another ugly win. That first win streak was six or seven games. Which one was it? Seven. Seven games. As clean as that looked and as promising as that looked, this was the grittier version of it. If I could take you real quick to... um, you know, I guess the uh, Marvel Universe, so I guess this is technically still Sony at the time. Uh, the first half, uh, the first seven-game winning streak was just straight-up Spider-Man movies with with our boy Toby in hmm. there, right? And the second seven-game winning streak would be the Venom series, right? Uh, the Lakers. Still, hey, we're cheering for the the, the similar archetype, right? It's just how we, the, the story was developed and how the sure. work got done was night and day. Um, but the Lakers are stepping now into a fresh new week after 16 games, standing at 14-2. and two. I just want to let that just sit there, Oof. fellas. The team that we all know and love 
in support is 14 and 2. Yeah. Last year at this time, the Lakers were 8 and 6. And what were we doing? Jonathan, we were we were good back then. Danny, we were just ramping up the late night Lake Show podcast. We were just we were reaching for every positive thing that we could hold on to as to you know why this two games over 500 team is doing as well as they're doing right now Mm -hmm. and what struggles and look at them learning on the go and stuff like that um that's not the case this year uh you even want to go back to the 17 18 season lakers were six and eight you know and we were still like wait but you know it, (laughs) it feels good you know, <laughs> hey, check it. Hey, Brandon Ingram, he young, he young, young. D'Angelo, he was hurt. Now he not so hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we got this, right? Uh, well, you know, um, and we know how those stories played out. But not to go too far into the past, I want to start off the conversation about our present day 2019-2020 uh, Los Angeles Lakers. And Jonathan, as our guest, I'll kick it to you first. Just talk to me a little bit about how it's like watching an elite team again tell me about the difference in how these games are flowing and really how you are just enjoying watching lakers basketball again yeah it's a completely brand new experience i feel like we have been living underwater and trying to breathe underwater this entire past like six years and finally we're head above water we've got a taste of what fresh air is like and To be honest, it's been kind of jarring and it's taken some time to have it settle in and really, you know, I've had to pinch myself a couple times and and understand that because we, I mean, it's all happening so fast. And then you look up, we're 14 and two and you're really undergoing like a complete paradigm shift of how you're even viewing the game on paper in the off season, media day, all this stuff would seem to tell you veteran group. They've been here before. They've got multiple guys who have not only been in the league, but have won championships in the league. Of course, this would be a brand new experience, but we've been in this like Stockholm syndrome of mediocrity. Not only, I mean, not mediocrity, that's understating it, of just being in the bottom cellar, being in the upside down for six years. And we've been used to thinking a certain way, you know, and I've slowly been reminded what it's been like to root for like a winning team, a championship contending team. And man, it's a breath of fresh air. I mean, that's the simplest way to put it. And it's, I'm starting to become attuned to just how I watch games on a night to night basis, uh, where in the past I'd criticize every little thing because we're thinking about the young core and how is this going to translate down the line? But with this team, you have like at the back of your head a certain confidence and trust that regardless of what you're seeing on the court on a a given night, you know that they're always going to adjust, adapt, and fix things if things go wrong, you know? And you learn to trust that whatever is going on on the court from a night-to-night basis, that there is now a long-term view of it. So you see LeBron James jacking up a bunch of step back threes. You see Anthony Davis settling for jumpers. And yeah, it's annoying as hell. And people are always going to complain about that. You see Rajon Rondo on the floor floundering about not playing defense. You see Quinn Cook sometimes and you're like, what is going on? And then you take a step back and you're like, oh, they're playing the long game here because they can. And they know that 
LeBron James and Anthony Davis are trying to preserve their bodies, and even in spite of all the weird three-point shots they've jacked up, all of the jump shots that they've settled for, we're sitting here at 14-2, and two, okay? They ha- somehow have a team that's given them the luxury to take plays off and see if their jump shot's working. And for Anthony Davis, it has been working. He's 10 of 18 from three, his last three games, all hail lethal shooter or Mike Penberthy. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's just refreshing to watch this team. It's such a joy to watch a team that not only on the court, but off the court, you see the chemistry, you see the love, you see all the crazy handshakes and, uh, it's just fun, man, to root for this team and be invested in this team, um, both on and off the court. Yeah, I, I think you know where you're coming from is like when you're a Lakers fan, you all you know is playoffs and championships, playoffs and championships. There's a high, high, high expectation. If I'm not in the Western Conference Finals and I don't lose in Game Seven or something, or if I'm not in the finals and we're not hoisting a trophy, the season's a wash. The season's a waste. And these past six seasons, it's like. We were in a we were like in a weird twilight zone confusion. It's like, is this really going to be our team that carries to a championship? Because when you have these high expectations, that's all you know. So, and I understand where you're coming from. Like every night when you watch a Lakers game, you're criticizing. I felt the same way. It's like, hmm, I see flashes of good. Uh, I see good signs. I see flashes of greatness from these young guys. But is this really going to be the team to take us to a championship? Now, fast forward into this year. It's a whole different, it's like a 180, it's crazy. Like 14-2 and two, sitting pretty, we're number one in the West and it feels so good again. Like th- mm-hmm. it's just back to being Lakers basketball that we truly know, truly love. And when 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 the team is coming together, this is a very tight-knit group, I feel like. And even with the signings that we had, like, you know, you're bringing in a guy like Dwight Howard. I know Ricky's a huge fan of that. Um, and then when you bring in, you know, nice, d- man. it's in the past. <laughs> We're all good. We're all good. I know. I know. Future friend of the show. He's cool. He cool. And then, you know, you bring in Boogie and all these things like, how well, is Lakers team really going to work? Is it only going to be a LeBron and AD show? It, it, this team is looking legit, especially on the defensive end. And I, I love seeing the defense. I mean, even tonight, what they have, like, they had 12 steals and what? Se- uh, how many blocks? They had seven blocks. <laughs> I mean, this, this, this team is all over the place, and I like it. And I, and it just just reminds me of good old-fashioned Lakers basketball. And it's, instead of, you know, criticizing every type of movement, you're always like, wow, the next play is going to – like, what, what's what's LeBron going to do next? What's AD going to do next? Instead of just be like, is Lonzo going to jack up a three and miss it? Is Brandon <laughs> Ingram going to go 16 seconds of ISO and do a fadeaway? Is Kyle Kuzma have to come off the bench today? Like, these are the questions that we have to put, we could finally put in the past now. Yeah, I think the one thing that's standing out to me in watching these games, and especially this, we're looking at this in the last seven games of the seven-game winning streak, the Lakers have been playing teams that they are supposed to beat, right? Mm -hmm. Last year, really the last four years when we were supporting younger players that we were putting more hope and confidence into than probably was fair to them at that time. You know, they were on Brendan Ingram, D'Angelo Russell, were, Lonzo Ball were all under microscopes, like literally with the microscope pressed down to the glass to the point that it was cracking. <laughs> and we as Lakers fans expect that rookies and sophomores are supposed to beat bad teams that while still bad at the time, we're full of veteran players. Like you take, let's say, for instance, three years ago, 
the Atlanta Hawks, right? The Atlanta Hawks were not a good Eastern Conference team, but they would still beat the Lakers because they had veteran players that, you know, are just more experienced at playing NBA basketball than our young core members. What I'm seeing today is signs of a dangerous team, signs of an elite team where, yes, you might stick around with these Worst teams might stick around with teams. Now let's let's just keep it real, real quick. Memphis ain't like you know just a bullshit team that you're just gonna They're run tough, over. Man. They had pieces. You see the talent. I think Memphis is a few years away from actually you know making some noise. Their their down years, their dark ages probably are only going to be around for one or two more years, right? There are a couple of more hits in the lottery away from having a nice solidified team, right? You look at OKC, they still have Chris fucking Paul as point guard, right? That team was littered with veterans, Steven Adams, Daniela Garlinari, you know, players that, you know, are respected in this league. And they had five wins at the time. Both these teams had five wins. And the Lakers, while still should have pulled away from these teams, and we would love for them to, you know, ant boot, as uh, my boy Nick Fury said, the Loki right in the Avengers. Um, it's it's just it's just so good to get the W and not have to look for moral victories, right? We uh, survived off of moral victories like you know in college i survived off of ramen and the in the rack that we had attached to my dorm the last four or five years while supporting the young core during the dark ages we survived off of moral victories hey man the lakers started off 10 to 10 you know don't you remember that and then d'angelo russell got hurt if D'Lo didn't got hurt, didn't get hurt, we would have been right there. You know, we would have had that momentum building up. Hey, you know, the Lakers were, you know, doing this, this, and that. And then Brandon Ingram got banged up. And then the wheels fell off on the season. And B.I. would have stayed. See, we don't, we don't necessarily have to do that anymore. And no, that's yeah. what I'm appreciative of. Because at the end of the day, when we just look at when it's, two minutes to go in the game and the Lakers are tied or down two. And I look at the 10 players that are on the court and I see that we have LeBron and Anthony Davis. I'm in a different mind state <laughs> and, I, and I love it. And I love it. There's the, the Lakers nation obviously is we're still waiting for the, that other shoe to drop as far as, when that ugly loss is going to pop up on the season. And um, I would love to get your thoughts about this. Would it be better or worse if the Lakers continue to beat these bad teams, but then pull up against a Denver, Jonathan, and then lose to the, Dem- lose to the Nuggets in a close game next week? How, how would you feel that with all this success starting out 14-2, and two, Say what you want about the record. Say what you want about strength of schedule, this, this, and that. When me and Danny did our pregame, our preseason, you know, looking at the season into two halves, objectively, the first half is a little is lighter than the second half. Lakers are a perfect 10-0 and 
against under 500 teams. So I just would like to know your thoughts on how would you rank these wins in comparisons to a loss, let's say, against some of these we know elite teams coming up. Yeah, um, I think it would be disappointing for sure because that's our first real test since the Clippers against what you would probably deem an elite team. And the fact that we didn't show up for that game um, would be disappointing for sure. At the same time, I feel like it's been... And maybe these close losses are good for the Lakers because in the back of their minds and, you know, given Frank Vogel's comments, they're hopefully treating these as losses. Um, So maybe that will help them stay sharp. And luckily, before the Lakers play the Nuggets, they play the scorching hot Dallas Mavericks and uh, Luka Doncic. So that kind of should help prime them for that game. But if we end up losing that game to the Nuggets, it doesn't negate what the Lakers have done, obviously. They've... I mean, honestly, they, they're 14-2. and two. If they can win, like, their next two games and are 16-3 and three by the time they face the Nuggets. Um, I'll just look at it as, yes, it sucks. We didn't show up. And then you already know what the Twitter timeline is going to say when we lose to the Nuggets, oh, yes. if we lose to the Nuggets, right? It's like, Lakers couldn't beat the Clippers. Lakers couldn't beat the Nuggets. And they got the Jazz coming up next is this team really as good as their record says they are? You know, all that stuff. um, I'm prepared for it. Um, Receipts are in the tank. We're good to go. Receipts are in the tank. I already got the the tweet drafts on lock, uh, locked down. Um, It would be disappointing. You know, keeping it real, it would be disappointing, especially because I know LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and these guys probably have that game circled um, on their calendar. Um, but at the same time, look, they've just, they've been on this pretty tough road trip and they're only going to be back for one game against the Wizards. And I, I, there are also some just like practical contextual factors that would lead me to believe this team might just be hella tired when they face the Nuggets, you know? And once they face a really, really good team, are they going to be able to actually show up? I hope they do. And, you know, I think Avery Bradley might still be out for that game. So that'll hurt a little bit, but but yeah, um, to sum it all up, yes, a little bit disappointing, but it definitely does not negate what this team has done. And, you know, drawing back to our earlier conversation about what it's like to follow this team, the one benefit of, you know, retraining myself to follow a legitimately good team is in the back of my head, I know that even if we lose a game to a really good opponent like the Nuggets, I know that this team is keeping stock of that and that they will adjust, adapt, and find all the ways to counteract what just happened in the coming days when they, when they meet the Nuggets again in the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. Like, this Lakers team is built for the playoffs, and Frank Vogel has proven that he is a coach that knows how to adjust and adapt. So it won't be, you know, it won't be like the last few years where, like, any one loss is going to, like, absolutely sink us. Um it, it still stings, like a loss still stings for sure just because of how good we are. And you, you want to see how ridiculous you can make this record look in terms of wins. But in the sense that I trust and have confidence in this team to, you know, make amends, it that's, that's sort of how I'm looking at any future losses that may come up. With the bad teams, it's like, uh, they just lost focus. It's fine. Move on to the next one. If it's against a good team to the Nuggets, disappointing. But I have no doubt that they will correct their mistakes. So... Danny, do you have any concerns about Mr. LeBron James and the minutes that he is starting to accumulate 
He played uh, 39 minutes on a back-to-back <sighs> tonight. Are I you mean, uh, piggybacking off of what Jonathan said? You know, we can't erase, even with any loss that could come up, uh, we can't erase the good work that the Lakers have done in these past 16 games. But there is a there is a cost, and LeBron is, you know, not the youngest of cats. Are we still good with LeBron putting on the show each and every night, and especially on back-to-backs? I, I don't mind it for marquee games, like I've always alluded to. Um, I've always said, you know, when, when the lights are on, you know, if LeBron's showing up, great. Like, here's the thing. You can have these amazing LeBron moments and spurts. Like, I, I just don't... I don't even know how to even start with this. LeBron's minutes... I think at a max in certain stretches of the season should be anywhere from like 34 to 30, even like 32 to 35. You know what I mean? Like it depends what the score is and what the situation is. But like if we can get LeBron in the low, like low to mid thirties in minutes, I'd be totally fine with it. But if you're going 39, 40, 41 against teams like Memphis and no disrespect to Memphis, they are a tough, uh, a tough out every night when they're playing. I mean, you see what John Moran's doing, Jaron Jackson and them, they see what they're doing. But I think LeBron his minutes, like if, like I said, if we can keep it as low as possible while still being efficient, still and still doing his thing, I'm I'm totally okay with it. But I just don't want to see him on a back to back go 38, 39 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, it, and it's it's not even December yet, and this is where it gets tough. And we were looking at the schedule. I just reviewed it the other day. Like the, our first week of December is not a cakewalk by any means. It it's brutal. Dallas Nuggets Jazz. Okay, like the Mavericks game. We didn't play our best game, and I and rightfully so. Danny Green did put us in position to get us into overtime, um, but you know we beat them. We beat them in Dallas. Let's see if we can do it again. Um, and then we goes to the Nuggets. The Nuggets are going to be our toughest challenge so far, I think. And with with the way they're playing, it's it's a it's a pretty well balanced matchup between the two teams. I think we can still win. And then when it goes to the Jazz, I I feel like I feel like the Jazz are slightly overrated in a way i don't think they're as good as people think they are um, lean into that danny go deeper i just tell don't, me how the jazz are overrated i like that they're not at, like are they better than the clippers no are they nope. better than the nuggets no why is this team projected to go number one or number two in the west i just don't get it like rudy gobert is not putting up uh demarcus cousins numbers Oh, he's a defensive force. Well, so is a lot. So are a lot of other seven foot big men. They're defensive forces. I, I would hope for him to be a defensive force. He's not doing things that are like mind boggling. Um, but what I'm trying to say is like back to LeBron. His minutes have to be limited in a, in a certain way, like mid mid to low thirties. Unless it's a marquee game, unless it's a big push that we're you know we're trying to clinch a number one seed, whatever the case may be. But I don't mind it. I just don't want to see a lot of it. And I think that's fair, right? I think you just don't too. want him to lose a step. Like, I don't want him to see, like, gassed by... I don't want to see LeBron gassed by New Year's. Now, <laughs> this is what I've heard from LeBron disciples, LeBron stands, whatever nickname people are giving to LeBron fans. If 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 people are just uh, listening to uh, Late Night Lake Show podcast for the first time um, and want to know, you know, what church we grew up in, I grew up in the church of Kobe. Um, no, I was not a LeBron <laughs> hater 
at any point in time. Like I will tell anyone I sit down and have a conversation with, LeBron was kind of not applicable to me at the time when he was on his rise and everybody was, you know, hopping on his junk because my favorite player was in his fucking prime and scoring 81 Mm -hmm. points a game. Um, But, you know, so I never really hated LeBron. I had my tiffs against, you know, some of his decision-making on, you know, passing on the last shot and stuff like that. But, you know, as time moved on, and especially when he uh, joined the Purple and Gold, it's been all sunshine and butterflies for uh, my support of uh, one LeBron James. But I know him personally, or I know, I don't know LeBron personally. <laughs> I was like, damn, you friends with LeBron. Him, right? Here we go, breaking news. I know LeBron personally. You sound like Stephen A. Smith for a minute. He's a dear right? friend of mine. I know, uh, I know that personally, LeBron is on this Wash King agenda all 2019-2020, right? That, uh, every Instagram, every tweet is finished with Wash King I unless he's talking about Bronny. Though, man. Like, I get it. Hey, Danny, I get it. But you have to also understand, and if we're breaking out who, what disciples we were, Danny has been, um, uh, if we got a little political with it, he's a little bit uh, leaning against. He leans a little, uh, I don't know, he's a little alt-LeBron, or he was back in the day. Um, he's, he's learned to accept him as, as a colleague, as a friend, as an associate. I don't know. Uh, but uh, no, I think LeBron <laughs> has his different levers and his different motivators. And if he's on this Wash King tirade of the entire regular season, all I'm going to do is sit back, enjoy the show, and pray that that body stays put together all the way through until I June. I hope, man. Right? Like you know, that's the he thing. has he, he has learned he has earned. Every right out of any athlete, honestly, to ever play any sport that we you trust him and him trusting his body. And he took all that time off last year or, you know, at the end of the year, most time he's had off since his rookie year. Right. He's um he's rested. And until we see that fatigue in stretches, I'm just going to let it ride. He's also averaging a career low in minutes. And uh, I know last year you could have said that too, but it kind of leveled out just because we were playing at such a fast pace that it's like, well, LeBron is having to, is getting this wear and tear on his body just because of how fast we're playing. This year you can't say that because the Lakers are a much slower paced team and he's only averaging 34 minutes. So the last game against the Grizzlies where he played 38 minutes, you want to stray away from that as much as possible. But in general... I credit Frank Vogel for knowing how to, you know, for the most part, keep LeBron James minutes down. So, okay. Switching gears, I want to focus the attention to two players coming up as we move into our, our next topics. The first one is Mr. Uh, Kyle Bartholomew Kuzma. I don't know if Bartholomew <laughs> is his middle name, but My that's God. his middle name. It probably now. is. Um, our boy has. Uh, been putting on quite a shooting display since he has returned from his injury. You know, tonight, we're not going to talk about the Memphis game tonight because, <laughs> you know, my show notes do not include a bad stretch of shooting out of him. So we will just uh, we will just mark up that Kyle Kuzma has been on a tear 
the last, oh, I don't know, 10, 11 games, or excuse me, ever since that Miami game, Kuzma's really been finding his groove, especially from the three-point line. Um, he's been shooting 44% from three. Um, he has switched up his hair uh, from SoundCloud Kuz to Samurai Kuz, <laughs> and he's now even transformed into Specta Kuz. Um, I, yep. Taking this Memphis game out of the equation, you know, I would say that's an outlier of the trend of what Kuz has brought yeah. to the table. I was getting ready to honestly choke him through my TV tonight for that dribbling oh, too, bro. Uh, mistake that he had off of a nice steal he picked up. But, um, Johnny, talk to me a little bit about how you've um, graded Kuz as a piece in this Lakers ecosystem right now. You know, the last three games notwithstanding, just because you have to put an asterisk on those since he, like, almost lost an eye, essentially, and became Cyclops-Kuz, Cyclops. Ah. <laughs> um, yeah, he has been, I mean, prior to the last three games, he was shooting 15 of 32 from three, finding a groove, even playing better defense. Um, I would say probably, like, a B to B plus just because this is sort of what I expected. And actually him rebounding. And you have to keep in mind again with Kuzma, like a month ago, like at the start, maybe a month and a half ago at the start of October, this dude couldn't even put any weight on his foot. You know, they advised him not to run and jump. So just putting that into perspective, the fact that Kuzma has rounded back into form as quickly as he has is, uh, I guess, a testament to his hard work and, He's kind of fit seamlessly. Again, the Memphis Grizzlies game, I don't know what the hell happened. I He only took three shots, played 25 minutes. The only shot he made was a half-court heave. <laughs> that, that you just got to throw out the window because it's inexplicable. I was tweeting the whole night. And keep in mind, Kuzma's like my favorite. He was like my favorite player out of the young core. And for him to get me this mad is saying something. And I, I honestly think there must be something else going on that we don't know about, you know? Because he played out of character for sure. If there's one thing you can count on Kuz for, it's to chuck up a shot. And he didn't even do that tonight, you know? So something was going on. Regardless, <laughs> outside of uh, tonight's game, he has been that perfect, you know, number three guy who doesn't need the ball next to LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and even Rajon Rondo off the bench. And uh, it's been nice to see him just continue to find open space as easily as he does when the offense is stagnant and no one else is moving around. And him continue to flip up really nice, nifty, soft touches around the basket. And most of all, just hit his three-point shot, right? Um, he has looked a lot more relaxed on that shot, a lot better balance, and he's confidently letting the ball kind of just slip right off his fingertips when at the start of the season you could tell he was short arming everything uh it was right in line but everything was super short everything looked like it was a shot put sort of shot attempt but now it's just like rolling off his fingertips with ease and it's uh it's a great sight hopefully he can rebound from this weird ass memphis grizzlies game but outside of that overall i think he's rebounded pretty solidly from a tough start that i honestly expected given the fact that this dude could not even run like at the beginning of October. Shout out lethal lethal shooter or or no? Yep. Uh, uh lethal Penberthy. Oh. Ah, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Danny, What's uh Kuz control. Um are you are you optimistic? Are you I know you get hot and cold with your I mean, with your Kuz takes. I I like where I, are we today? 
No, I think he's coming into his own this season, and as John said, you know, seamlessly. That's a perfect word. Like, he's just fitting in, and that's, like, the perfect piece that Lakers need, uh, especially taking stress off and pressure off uh, our top two guys in AD and LeBron when it comes to scoring, putting the ball in the bucket. Um, and you know what it is, too? It's the correlation, and I, I hate to bring this up, Ricky, but, you know, when, when Rondo starts finding coups— the ball usually goes there. in the. As soon as he says, "I hate to bring this up," hey, you know the ball Go starts ahead. going in the basket. I'm just saying they work together pretty damn well, and I'm I, I like the way Kuz has you know came back from injury, started off slow, but that's that's just anybody. He wasn't playing NBA basketball for about what uh, he didn't even play the preseason. So this was like literally the first few games was his preseason. Um, you know, once 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 he gets his once he gets the confidence up and once he gets the minutes in and once it gets flowing. You know, Kuz can score. You know, with with uh, with a pretty polished game. I mean, with the best of them. You know, so he can put the ball in the bucket in, in multiple facets, in different ways. Um, yes, you and me took three shots tonight, but that's okay. Um, he's not gonna he's not gonna be having these kind of repeat performances. I feel like Kuzma's the type of guy. It's like when he gets the ball, there isn't a shot Kuzma doesn't like. <laughs> you know, for him to have three <laughs> shots in a game, it's it's kind of like an eye opener. So I, I think he's going to learn from this You think it's game. a positive that he actually passed up some shots? Sometimes. Tonight. I mean, sometimes it is. I, I mean, I think Kuzma, I think I, I've said this last you, year. Uh, I think Kuzma. Looking at the bright side of things. Yeah, of course. But I think Kuzma, <laughs> even last year, I always said the knock on him is like, you know, with the whole shots he doesn't like is moving the ball, maybe one extra pass. You might get it back and then you could shoot or you make the right basketball play. So playmaking ability is going to be big for him. I don't disagree. I have one more topic to get into. It's not Anthony Davis. We all we all know Love AD, what man. Anthony Davis is bringing to the table right now. You know, he's Frank Vogel has encouraged him on this last stretch of games to shoot at least five threes a game. And over the last nine games, AD has shot 44%. He's 15 to 34 from three. And he is six foot ten inches tall and the defensive player of the year today. Sorry, Salt Lake City. The your your boy Rudy. I saw some guy on Twitter talking about Rudy's a better defensive player because people aren't even trying him anymore. <laughs> well, there could be some truth in that, but they're trying A D and then A D's turning around and scoring twenty five on their fucking head. Rudy Gobert is not doing anything but being a specialty player right now. And it will be limited in the playoffs. Did we forget about what the end goal is here? Anyways, uh, just sorry, not to drag the the Jazz into into this mess, but I will be in Salt Lake City, actually, uh, for Lakers Lakers Jazz coming up. So, damn, nice, man. um, That that came on kind of quickly, but... um, you know, I'll be flying a little bit under the radar. My my Utah takes get a little bit caliente for all that snow out there. So I will be on uh, Twitter when I touch down and get my feet on the court. So that's compliments of the company right there. But uh, nice. hopping back to Anthony Davis, don't need to spend a whole lot of time on him. He is a dominant, dominant force in this game right now. He's literally doing what he's been doing his career. The only difference is he's taking more threes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thank God that he is now in the spotlight where everyone gets to appreciate what Anthony Davis brings to the table. 
and Frank Vogel finally talked about, you know, also making sure that Anthony Davis is getting more shots. And he's like, hey, we're winning. I'm not going to force this. I'm going to get my shots where I can. I'm going to be aggressive where I can. But this whole spoon feeding thing, you ain't got to worry about me. So we'll double salute that. We're going to take one last break, fellas. But when we come back, I'm just going to open up this Pandora's box and I'm going to let y'all both just take a just one quick lap around the track. I'll take a half a lap and um, we're, we'll talk about Mr. Uh, Mr. Rajon Rondo and how not everything that you see is everything that is uh, presented when it comes to your NBA veterans. <laughs> Late Night Lake Show. We'll yes. be right back. Welcome back to the Late Night Lake Show. Uh, before we went into break, uh, Ricky was... Uh briefing on someone who I, you know, in it, I, I truly, truly, truly admire on the on the Lakers. Number nine, Rajon Rondo. Uh, John, <laughs> I know you're a Rondo guy as well. His his play as of late, especially tonight's game against Memphis, is really eye-opening. And it's not just, you know, his stat line. I feel like it's the little things he does on the court, and it's the things that he don't really show up on the stat sheet. What do you feel about Rondo's play? Go, uh, up? I'm sorry, let me read this part. What do you feel about Rondo's play so far this season and how he can continue to be great for the Lakers? Mr. Connect for himself, <laughs> Mr. Rajan Rondo. Um, his play has been sort of up and down, but for the most part, I he has lived up to at least my expectation of him being a valuable contributor who... Is he flawless? Absolutely not. <laughs> Does he still though. not play defense? <laughs> exactly. Um, does he play defense? No. This is game 16 of an 82-game season. Rajon Rondo's always thinking about the long game, my friends. <laughs> so um, for the most part, look, given the rhetoric and narratives coming out of the offseason on Rajon Rondo once we resigned him, the bar was so low to clear with regards to Rondo. People were treating this dude like he was Kendall Marshall or Marcelo Huertas throwbacks to the bad, bad, dark days. And I'm like, dude, I think I heard some people saying if Rajon Rondo starts or if he gets this many minutes, the Lakers aren't going to be in the playoffs. And I was like, have we lost our goddamn minds here, everybody? The Lakers are 6-0 and when Rajon Rondo plays as a Laker this year. Oh, undefeated. Unbelievable, right? But they are. So... I think people just needed to take a step back, take a deep breath, and realize Rajon Rondo has the approval of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard. You could go right down the list. Obviously, everybody always all it's an objective fact that his intangibles off the court are stellar. Um, people typically have the biggest gripes with Rondo when he's on the court because he likes to pound the ball. He likes to he's terrible on defense and is always a liability and he's causing so much havoc because guys have to rotate over rotate to help him out and it never ends well. I I get all of this stuff. I'm not I'm not crazy. I'm not blind. But at the same time on a team like this when LeBron James has to carry so much of the load with regards to primary initiating and primary creating, he's been relieved to have Rondo just even bring the ball up the court. And we've seen these last few games just how he picks up the pace. And he just has a special connection with Anthony Davis. So people have been saying it on Twitter, you know, the last few days, just how they have this telepathic connection, especially on these lobs where he's throwing it up from the three-point line. Only Rondo can do that. Believe it or not, like LeBron James hasn't done that 
with Anthony Davis that many times. And if you begin to see an uptick in LeBron to AD lobs, you can bet Rondo's probably given him tips, you know? Mm-hmm. And so all these things are very important, especially for a, a team like this that's looking at the long game, that's looking at the championship goal at the end of all of this, you know? And you can bet we haven't even seen playoff yeah. Rondo. Um, so I'm... Look, we're going to have to live with the bad when it comes to Rondo. He's all we have right now. Um, And the reason why he's been playing so many minutes is, unfortunately, Avery Bradley has been out. So it's been a bit of an up-and-down journey. But for the most part, look, the final statement I have on Rondo is he has provided value. And he's... He's bought in like the rest of this team has, and he just fits the DNA of a championship contending team, regardless of whether or not he's lost the step and whether or not he's no longer, he's so far removed from the defensive Rondo that we used to know him as when he was uh, with the Celtics. So I am very much looking forward to Rajon Rondo being the first player to wear both a Celtics and Lakers jersey and win a championship with both teams. So You just got to live with the occasional... Knee to the groin. You just got to live <laughs> with the occasional non-participation on defense. You just got to live with the occasional miscalculation of where the player or where his uh, intended target is supposed to be in the past. Looks like it went to fucking Jupiter. You're just going to have to live with the dumb shit that Ray John Rondo brings to the table in this point in his career. He is valuable, like you just got done saying, Jonathan, in the sense that he has the trust of the key stakeholders in the success of this year's Los Angeles Lakers to the point where they had him interview Dwight Howard on where his mindset was before signing off on being a part of the team. I'm sorry, I'm not sending my crazy-ass brother to go interview our ex-cousin that went and was just abandoned the family, decided to come back, and we're going to send the craziest motherfucker in our group to go and talk to him to make sure that he's all cool, and then we're just going to trust him. No! They love him. They respect him. That's AD's confidant. That was a, there was a quote or the article that came out talking about that uh, AD credited Rajon Rondo, as well as the Lakers shooting coach, as uh, to get his shot back. Rondo's putting those minutes in. Rondo is telling AD where he mm-hmm. needs to be in these shooting drills because these are the spots and these are the shots he's going to see in the game. Rondo is doing the things that, in no fault to him, Alex Caruso literally cannot do because he is not one ever been that type of guard in his career and two does not have the years of experience to pass on that knowledge to any motherfucking body right <laughs> so when we talk about why is Rajon Rondo on the team why is Rajon Rondo getting minutes mother Rajon Rondo and Alex Caruso play on the court together at the same time yep. Are you, is everybody okay with that uh, as long as they're doing well yeah all right so that that takes care of Grief number one, Caruso should be playing instead of Rondo. Guess what? Guess who? Guess who wasn't available to play tonight? Alex Caruso. And I'm not here to bag on him, but when we talk about not needing Rondo and not wanting Rondo to play, oh yeah, give Quinn Cook those minutes. 
I'm going to put my feet up right here, and you tell me how that game goes. You tell me how that goes by giving Troy Daniels, you know, minutes that Rajon Ronda would have. I have such a bone to pick with, like, everybody on Twitter. It's not even funny. Like, I don't even want to get into well, it. Well, that's Twitter, right? I just, like, <laughs> like want to, like, the, the more I see Rondo do well, I just feel like they're all crying, like, eating ice cream and, like, depressed that Rondo's doing so well. Like, the, honestly, like, well, like hey, that's how I feel because, like, the hate that this guy gets. And he's so pivotal to, like, teams that have won. You look at the Chicago Bulls that he was on. They were up 2-0 against the number one seed Celtics until he broke his hand. The Rondo effect is real. The Pelicans, they swept, swept Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum's Blazers. And then, of course, when you take Rondo back to the, the times when he was at the Celtics, of course, he was elite. So, I mean, this guy's always been, at at one point, at top of his game with different units. Like, he led the league in assists with the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> Rajon Rondo's yeah. not a scrub, people. Just because he's not in the the analytic that's world, no these basketball. Right there. That's what I'm saying. These these basketball you need to anything with the queens. That's, that's, that's good, <laughs> bro. I mean, some of these some of these passes that he's been throwing have been ridiculous. Even at his age, he's still showcasing Dimes. that vision that made him an all star. They're Dimes. ridiculous. He's the quarter. Yeah. He's I, I've always said this. Him and AD got that quarterback wide receiver type of relationship, man. Yeah, and he darn near recreated the Dwayne Wade lob over the shoulder to LeBron James. It was a little more perpendicular, yeah, yeah. parallel to each other, but it was that that lob was still All insane. In, you know, yeah. he almost had a he almost had an insane one to Kuzma. Probably he shouldn't have done it on the break tonight, where he kind of did like a no look behind the yeah. back pass to Kuz. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with both of you. And the thing about Twitter too is just like at, at this point, you kind of people are kind of telling on themselves because. They just want to be right about their Rondo take from the beginning. And it's not even about... I know people have said, like, it's not personal when I talk about Rondo, but it sure as hell feels personal when, to this day, we're continuing to microscopically nitpick at everything Rajon Rondo does. It's like, bro, I know he doesn't play defense. Are we really going to continue to tweet about this? (laughs) So it is what it is. It is what it is. But we needed to speak our piece and to at least express... The other side of this equation is how are you bitching about a 14 and 2 basketball team? The Lakers are 14 and 2. Like, I know I say I've said that multiple times on this show, but if you are not a new Lakers fan, meaning that you joined when Anthony Davis joined or when Troy Daniels joined. I don't know. I don't know what ship you came over in. But if you have not been a Laker, let's just say the past 10 years, what in the hell are you crying about as far as this roster? Or if if your gripe is, your issue is, and your grief is that this is not sustainable, for the entire year. Well, thank God you are thinking future forward then, buddy. I We are just applauding you and just thinking ahead and thinking around the corner. You know who else thinks around the corner as far as predicting what the fuck the Lakers are going to do? Skip Bayless. Because he's the type of person to say, oh, LeBron's usage right now. You know, it's just a matter of time before it's another pull groin. That's how y'all sound right now. By saying that Rondo shouldn't be getting tick. Okay, Rondo doesn't get any tick. The ball's going back into LeBron's hands. LeBron's had the least amount of minutes in his career except for last year, right? You know, it's one or the other. 
You either live with LeBron, uh, Rondo living in this ecosystem and his and you living with his sometimes net negatives and sometimes his net positives. But the one thing that in the box score that's not going to show is the intangibles and what he brings to the team as far as attitude. Fucking Frank Vogel called it swag, right? <laughs> I call it that shit. He got that dog in him where, you know, $35,000, get ejected. I'm going to stay on the court and call the ref disrespectful as fuck. You know, you guys, Twitter.com, NBA Twitter, might not think that that actually equates to anything in the long scheme, the grand scheme of things, but it does. Basketball is five people on the court all trying to accomplish the same goal, night in and night out. Rotations are different, but that is the most personal relationship-driven sport that we have today. Baseball, it's one through nine. It is pitcher and batter. Those are isolated events. Football, it is what? 11 on 11, and there are two different units that don't even work together every time, right? You have to trust that the man next to you in the NBA has, one, your back, and two, the experience that, oh, I've been in these trenches before. I've been here with KG. I've been here with Ray Allen. I've been here with a bitch-ass Paul Pierce, you know. (laughs) I've been through the peaks and valleys of a career, right? And at the end of the day, y'all are just going to have to live with the bullshit during the regular season because when the postseason comes around and it's a seven-game series, it's easy to kind of lock out those specialty players in the Quinn Cooks and the um, Troy Daniels and to a lesser extent trying to figure out how to take an Alex Caruso out the game. Rondo's a distributor and a ball handler, and he gives LeBron relief. We could just... And he's going to play, yeah. And he's going to play some mental games for us in the playoffs, and that's going to be important. And I don't know if you guys saw in the Memphis Grizzlies game tonight in the fourth quarter, he sort of had John Morant a little shook after stripping him twice for those pick sixes. And then the other plays down the court, John Morant, who was as confident as ever the entire game, all of a sudden got a little shaky and loose with his dribble. It's not because Rondo's defense was amazing, but just because he's like, oh my God, I'm playing against Rajon Rondo, who I probably watched all these years. And uh, he was a good defender and he just stripped me twice. Like That's sort of like the command that Rondo can bring on the court, especially against a younger player. But you know in the playoffs, all that bullshit that he's doing now, that's going to matter. And uh, we're all along... We're all along for the ride. At least we are on this podcast right and now. And <laughs> we're not saying Rajon Rondo is going to be the reason the Lakers win a championship. The Lakers will win a championship because of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Let's just not let's not yeah. beat around the bush here. If they are healthy and they are elite and at the top of the game, they one of them will be the finals MVP, probably LeBron, right? And they will be the reason. But all that time leading up to the finals, LeBron's going to need some relief, right? Anthony Davis is going to need some easy buckets, right? All that those, all that work put in, all those years that Rondo has accumulated, that's going to help. And my last point on this is let's pull back to 5,000 feet above sea level and looking at this. Rajon Rondo on a fully healthy Lakers squad is playing a finite number of minutes. What you saw tonight, you got two other guards that are out, (laughs) right? Rondo, you know, you look at his box, score. oh, my God, Rondo didn't do this, he didn't do that. Yeah, this is not going to be his role when everybody's healthy either. (laughs) So relax. Yep. We'll be good. 
the team's good. We're Andre Iguodala away from, you know, making sure that everybody goes home safely and we have a good night's sleep come June. This is a great conversation. Yes, we sir. are running um, running a little long, Jonathan. I wanted to get your thoughts on the um, – now you're just going to have to host a, a podcast soon uh, and have <laughs> me and Danny on. I wanted to get your thoughts on sure. the uh, the proposed format of the new uh, NBA season that, uh, that the league and the Players Association was coming about. Did you read up on that at all today? I did not. What so, happened? The league, uh, you know, Woj uh, dropped a report that's saying the league is looking to overhaul the NBA schedule. Danny, did you see this? I I did. I briefly saw it, but I did not really get into it and get in depth with mm-hmm. it. That um, sounds like one of those group projects where I'm going to have to do the report. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think we should. Say, I think we should honestly get into this in a <laughs> different episode. Yeah. Then. We'll we'll do that then. So we'll uh, we'll make sure to have our boy Jonathan back on, but it's uh. It's, sure, uh, sure. It's, uh, they're, they're trying to pretty much change the season, that they're going to have a midseason tournament and then redoing uh-huh. the postseason. It's wild. We'll have a follow-up uh-huh. one. We still have to do our next week's episode. So we'll, maybe we'll make that a bonus episode or Jonathan. Oh, sure. You should just take my reactions right there. Well, what? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that should do. On. Yeah. So this is a lot of fun. Oh, my God. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for uh, hopping on the Late Night Absolutely. podcast, man. Um, one yeah. more time, tell the people where they can find you and where they can get all your content. Uh, you can find me at at tan five oh seven eight nine two shout out to kcp by the way oh i know we haven't God. talked about him all <laughs> podcast but shout out to kcp i am absolutely shoving that crow down my throat for thanksgiving and i'm loving it so <laughs> uh no you can fo- you can follow me at lakers legacy pod or at my personal account at jhun88 please check please check out the lakers legacy podcast there you go thanks for absolutely. having me guys anytime appreciate you being on with us brother all right always a good you're time on the, you're on the east coast so it's uh it's getting a little late for you Twelve forty-three, Danny. Is. i don't know you're probably about to go party or whatever mm-hmm. i don't know you're party. laying on the floor right now bro the, the house uh, the renovating and stuff so god i'm not even in the mood to party cheese <laughs> okay yo me and ricky got church yeah tomorrow. yeah we got it we got to hit service in the morning <laughs> i gotta eat something man i'm starving so yeah, yeah. Man, why don't you yeah take care of your body tlc man why don't you love yourself you know elon Elon going to work you until he can't work you anymore. So you got to look out for number one, right? Oh Jonathan does at GeneworMorks, and I do at my uh, my credit card day job. So Yes, sir. Uh, for, for Jonathan, for Danny, this is Ricky. This is the Late Night Lake Show podcast. Uh, make sure you follow us on uh, all streaming devices and listening platforms. So last thing we got to do is uh, kick this over to our boy Soul. Take us out. Peace. 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 Me and my blood are bringing others on, yeah. We all get a problem, I can tell you. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.